0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number fifty-five of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am, of course, your host Kyle Roscoe, and a great Happy New Year to you all. I hope you guys all had a great New Year filled with partying or not partying. You know, if you want, it, if you're more of the lay low type, I completely get it. <laughs> Said um, that New Year's Eve for me was absolutely ridiculous. For those of you to follow me on Twitter, went to Disney World, of course, got the hat on, but of course watched the team that I'll get into in a few seconds but uh it was fantastic we sat in epcot drank around the world for all for those of you that know you know it was a ton of fun and like i said hopefully you guys had a happy and blessed new year with your family and you started off the new year right but today we have a very very good show for you guys we're covering a great saturday late pick five for you at goldstream park including the limestone ginger brew and danya beach steaks lots of turf racing a dirt uh, dirt steak and a synthetic race mixed in there. Three different services, all fantastic races, and some really tough um, por- horses and races to pinpoint down. So follow along, please, if you, are, um, if you have this card handicapped or even if you don't handicap along with us and post your picks in the live chat. We would love to have a discussion and bounce ideas back off of you guys as well. Scrolling down below, video player you see the email betnibusen at gmail.com please send me any emails you have questions comments concerns or anything of the above please send that on over would love to converse with you down below the video player please go down below and hit subscribe it's the easiest way to help out the channel and it really really does help us out along with smashing that like button as our very astute viewer, Stephen Vandenbroek says, smash that like button, please, guys. I want to try and break a like goal on this video if we could. I want to try and break 40, 50 likes on this video. If you guys could do that for us, that would be greatly appreciated because not only does it show you uh, us that you guys are liking the content, but it also pushes this video out into the algorithm to hopefully get more viewers to the HHH Racing Podcast Network. And we need that because a very, very special announcement was made today on Twitter by the boss Howard Kravitz. A new show will be debuting next Monday. This show is called Horse and Around, and it will recap all stakes action from the weekend and a topical discussion on all of horse racing with special guests or fans of the podcast. Please um, email uh, Howard H. Kravitz Horse at gmail.com. H K R A. V E T S horse at gmail.com. If you guys want to get on the email list and email him that you want to be a part of the show, because we are looking to spread the wealth as they say on, uh, you know, include some viewers of the podcast on those shows to kind of talk about, you know, what they, you know, what they had that previous weekend, you know, betting wise or what they saw in the races and stuff like that. It's going to be a ton of fun and a lot more lax show. Come Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, just like all the shows on the HHH Racing Podcast. However, next week's show, I believe, is at 7 30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, follow Howard on Twitter at h kravitz for all information regarding the podcast. But yeah, new show, Horsing Around, looks to be a very fun one. Hopefully, you guys can tune in for that. But of course, guys, we're going to get all the peripherals out of the way. Apple podcast Spotify, and Anchor, all podcasts on the HHH Racing Podcast channel will also be posted. To the hhh racing podcast network on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor if you're more of an audio listener please go rate review and subscribe over there the power picks guys are still going very 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 strong almost a 500 picks and we are profitable for over two and a half years guys and that's again through every single pick based on roi we are still almost 25 cents above the positive roi mark while the average horse player is a dollar sixty if you have not subscribed yet you are definitely missing out patreon.com slash Podcast. That link is also below in the description. Of course, we have a great website, HHHRacingPodcast.com. If you want to know any more about us, or if you want to see previous editions of the Power Picks before you sign up. But guys, like I said, without further ado, we're going to get right into it here. Um, Charlie is on his way. He's coming pretty quick. And Patrick was stuck at work. They're both trying to get here pretty quick. But of course, Without further ado, man who's been MIA for the past two, week, uh, two weeks, a week, two weeks, not sure, but he's back from his vacation. He's ready to ring in the new year with me, all being a little bit under the weather, but it is West Coast bias himself. Noah Maher, Noah, what's going on, my man?
1: I'm doing all right. Uh, good to be back after a little hiatus, a uh, little sickness, but we're going to fight through it.
0: Well, uh, if you don't hear, the beetle flama is sick in the other room, so I apologize for any coughing that run through. It seems there's a lot of stuff going around now, but hopefully you guys, like I said, are happy and healthy yourselves. But without further ado, guys, we're going to get right into it after a few comments here. Again, Steer Vanderbrook, thank you so much for joining the show. Very early, smash that like button, please, guys. Again, want to try and hit a like goal in this episode. So like the various dudes even Steven Vanderbrook says, smash that like button katie is here nice and early good evening to you katie thanks so much for joining the show greatly appreciate it. ralph conti happy new year to you as well my friend mark bocats i don't think i've seen that name before mark thanks so much for joining the show man greatly appreciate it let's absolutely pick some winners and we got some good ones coming for you today hopefully terry frank is here happy new year charlestown is back for 2024 terry absolutely thanks so much for doing the show my friend and happy new year to you as well well and howard of course the boss is here happy new year can't wait to hear about the horses disney and trip to mexico that's obviously where noah was in mexico and i was of course in disney world so um like i said greatly appreciate howard joining the show and he met horsey dave at Goldstream. nice to see our fans in person absolutely howard and charlie were both at goldstream park over last week and just a lot of vacations to end off the year for the hhh racing podcast family sylvain is here happy new year to you as well paul Conlin is here I, I get what you're saying, Paul. I won't put up that comment, but I get exactly what you're saying. Uh, Happy New Year to you, my friend, as well. Racing wind is here. David Barista is here. Long time no see, my friend. Thanks so much, Dan, for joining the show, guys. We're going to get right into it here. The late pick five at Gulfstream Park starts in race number seven. And like I said, guys, this is a pretty good, like it's a good card, but it's got a lot of interesting races to come down to it and a lot of full fields. This is a full field of 12, allowance optional 25, going a mile and a 16th on the turf. And the one thing you guys got to know, especially in the mile races and under, they do sometimes run seven and a half furlong route races at Goldstream Park. But it's a very short run up to the first turn. A mile and a 16th, you have a little bit more room to get over, but it's still not much. And that's one thing you have to keep in mind, especially with these full fields, when you're handicapping these turf races at Goldstream Park. 12, uh, 12 horses in this race. Again, we don't have morning lines as we are doing this on Wednesday for Saturday card. But we can kind of, you know, guess favoritism um, based on that. Quality G for Ired and Pletcher will most likely be your morning line favorite, I would assume, and probably your post-time favorite. Um, Amer- um, American Diamond, Gaff Leone, Safi always gets bet down there. Um, Ruse could be bet Joe Bravo's Speed Horse from the inside. Again, being towards that insides where you technically wanna be post position wise early in the race at these Gulfstream Turf races but we'll obviously see when the morning lines come out from a guest on the show that was here last week Brian Natto and again shout out to him a nice friend of the podcast but no I'm going to switch over the picks right now man and we're going to get going here as I find them there we go race number 7 you'll see three three of us are going with the number 10 quality g but West Coast Bias himself my friend going against the chalk most likely while going with a horse that I don't even have anywhere, but, uh, Charlie does have the horse in third, the number eight American diamond, as I mentioned before.
1: Yeah. I went with American diamond, uh, in this spot. I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, the 10's going to be the favorite. Uh, 10's got a lot of weight with, uh, three co hosts on him now. Um, but with American diamond, you, you look at his races kind of from, you know, the, the uh, fall and uh, the you know last couple months here, uh, wins uh, Kentucky Downs going a mile, which is not an easy thing to do, and then he was uh, four to one in that N1X at Keeneland, uh, and I'm I'm kind of thinking that you know he didn't like the ground. That was you know mid October where we were getting a lot of rain down in Lexington, um, and then comes back up at Goldstream, um, runs a pretty nice race. Uh, looked like he you know had. A, a little bit of an excuse. Uh, I think he had to go, you know, pretty wide in that race. He looked like he was full of run and just kind of didn't get there. Um, the race was supposed to be on the turf and then ended up, being you know, on the synthetic. I think with the quick turnaround, I think Safi's looking to get this horse, you know, back on the turf, firm turf, what he likes. And I think he should be ready to fire.
0: That was my one thing with uh, American Nemo Was the kind of quick turnaround, obviously, coming back in three weeks. That's nothing unheard of for Safi, of course, down in especially down in Gulfstream, but um, never really showed his stuff. Then runs a runs back to that big number he ran early in the year, but in an off-the-turf-to-peter race. It's just kind of the thing where in a full field like this, I kind of want to have to see it again for American Diamond. At least that's me personally, why I don't have the horse in there. But this horse looks to have a really nice trip, um, that being the number eight American Diamond. If he can sit a little bit closer to the pace, as he's shown in the past to run his best races from up close, i.e. this claiming race at Goldstream, and then that Kentucky Downs race was right on the lead, winning that starter 50,000. So if he's going to get a little bit closer, American Diamond is definitely interesting. I'll talk about the number 10 quality, G. I mean, look, it's the chalk. It's the most likely, I would argue, probably the most likely winner in this race. But again, the problem is that I ran into, this is not really a default pick because I do like the horse on top, but the post position is definitely not without concern for me no i'm sure you can talk on this as well you have the horse in seconds so you obviously like him as well just didn't really get the job done last time at a mile we'll go a little bit longer this time i thought it ran really well albeit um with a pretty decent trip um just never really could change leads in the stretch but those races at aqueduct uh sorry belmont at aqueduct excuse me for the new york people come from my throat but um the starter 50 was a very very good race coming from a little bit farther back i think this horse if if Ired can get Quality G in a little bit, I'm um, off that um, quick run of the first turn. I just think this horse could trip out in this race.
1: Yeah, he's probably the most talented horse in the field. Um, the concern for me is he, you know, doesn't always get there uh, when yep. he's supposed to. You know, he, he was even money last time, and he got a absolutely perfect trip, and just mm-hmm. you know, couldn't quite get there. Um, you look at the numbers at the top right, um, you know, over for 5 of the distance, but 4 seconds, and then 5 seconds out of 8 starts on the turf. So maybe it's just a horse with a lot of quality that just, you know, doesn't necessarily like to win.
0: Yeah, and that's fairly, you know, that point is easily valid as you can just go back through the form here. You can see second half, third half, second nose. This is going back to the maiden win here at Gulfstream last year, but mo- ran at Monmouth in the – Uh, tail of the cat in the Jersey Derby, which two very nice races was, you know, 60 cents to the dollar. in one of those races losing by a half at a mile and then comes back, you know, I mean, a dollar 40 to your dollar and then only loses by a half again, but just, you know, a horse that might not be able to get the job done, which is a completely fair criticism. I like that. He headed first in the stretch last time. And there's just not a whole lot of, you know, I mean, there's some good horses in here, just not really the best quality as to what he's faced before. So, I think the 10 just might trip out. I if I ride can get them in. I went with the number two ruse in second, and this is a complete pace play for me. I understand that last that 92 buyer was an estate bred at Aqueduct. I completely understand that. But you go back a little bit farther. I mean, those 84s, 85s, as we just mentioned. I mean, that's everything that everyone else has ran, you know, and maybe even a little bit more. You can see these um these open company N1Xs at Saratoga, granted. Getting eighth and fourth, but not losing by that much to some pretty good horses. You know, Dracone, Fair Dinkum, Bowie's, who we touched on last week at Goldstream Park. I'm very busy. You know, just a lot of good quality company in those N1Xs. It's kind of what I'm tuning into into a race that, you know, being inside is going to help. Plus, maybe not having too much pressure on the lead. There is a little bit of speed in this race, but not to what this horse has had to run into previously. If this horse can get the lead, I think this is one that definitely could that could stick in the money for sure. Ruse will be my second choice in race number seven. And then, no, I'll let you touch on. We both have number five and third. Blame the good times. Brian Lynch, as Brian Nott touched on last week when Howard on the flagship show now called Picks and Ponies, by the way, um they it was just. Like you said, they're just hammering the Brian Lynch horses. They've been running very well. Obviously, he's won seven for 20. He's seven for 24 to start the meet, winning at a mere 30%, which, you know, last time I checked was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad that we're kind of thinking similarly here. Um, I'm kind of keying in on that last race. Um, I, I think he had a little more trouble than it, you know, kind of seems. Um, it, it just seemed like, you know, we were watching that race and quality G's coming out of the same race as well. We're yep, in second. And just um, real
0: quick, no quality G is the two here guys. We'll show the type of backstretch run and blame the good times as the fourth. Also the number, the five is Freddo, who is the number. Um, I cannot remember who, what number Freddo is in this race, but either way, um, I'm going to move to the backstretch. No, I'll let you talk through it.
1: Yeah. Um, you can see Fredo's uh, a speed horse, uh, definitely but he's i think he's either the the 11 or 12 in this race so i i I was a little bit against fredo um just you know since he's got that outside post he's got to work really hard yeah uh blame the good times is the four and he uh it looks like he you know has some horse and he's kind of loses momentum there um kind of has to shuffle back uh meanwhile you know fredo and quality g are are kind of getting the first run on him yep uh, and then, you know, he, the horse doesn't give up. He he comes with another run. Um, a lot of times you see a horse kind of gets a little bothered and they get a little uninterested, but it, it seemed like he kept coming. And, you know, again, like you said, and, and Brian said uh, last week, uh, Brian Lynch uh, for that fact is he's been having a hell of a meet so far.
0: Yeah. And as you see quality G as we touched on, you know, maybe he headed the stretch. I don't know if he got like, I mean, he switched leads, so maybe he got a little weary, but. It seems like he kind of just doesn't go on with it once he hits the front. And you'll see, blame, obviously, Blame the Good Times being the four and there still had a nice late run after the um, after the trouble endured. So maybe running back to that 80. I just don't – a little light on the figures. I would like to see a little bit more from Blame the Good Times, but definitely could be one to fill out your exactas and trifectas. Real quick, I'll touch on, on pa- Noah. I mean, Patrick and Charlie are all over the board, underneath uh patrick has the seven game change off that last race um at belmont and then coming off the trainer switch to james toner uh toner is three for 16 off the trainer switch in the last five years so you know right around that you know kind of teens percentage wise so not that bad but is a little bit light on the figures and then we'll have to improve off that off a layoff but is working really well down at palm meadows charlie has the uh, uh, 11 and eight. So the eight American diamond um, McKillop for uh, Ian Wilkes, Louis Saez hops aboard, which you don't see too often for Wilkes um, coming out of some really nice M1 X's just looks to be really far back in a race like this could uh, be up to Leperu, which we won't get into that, but um, Luis size could be more aggressive and could be one on the improve. Definitely one to look for underneath. Fredo is the horse we talked about underneath as well, who will be on the front end, but we'll have to navigate from that outside post which might be a little tough i'm going 10 to 5. no uh patrick's going 10 7 9 charlie's going 10 11 8 noah's going 8 10 5 guys switching up to race number eight here as i switch over the equibase right now race number eight is the only other non stake race that we are talking about today is a starter optional sixteen 000, um going a mile and a 16th on the depita course and it is Draws a field, a nice field of nine, honestly, for this one. Um morning light favorite, man. I mean, your guess is as good as mine, really, in this one. I mean, Reza, Rolex, Reza's Rolex will be there. Tap it three times could be there as well. Although I beat it, I think, might be a little bit uh more of a price. Pirate radio could be there as well. Papa Do, Papa Do. There's just a lot of different ways we can go in this race. And as I switch over to the picks, you'll see that. Albeit there's a lot of ways we can go. We have all chosen the number one. Tap it three times for Paco and Joseph Orseno, who has been, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's light riding light right lights out right now is Paco Lopez. Twenty-six percent out of hundred and eleven starts, Noah. I mean, and this horse ran really well last time, albeit, you know, in a little bit of an of an easy trip per se, but did have a little bit of trouble coming down the lane, I think. But i mean this the the big thing is this race you can see there's a six horse field and if five of these horses are coming out of this race so this is a replay definitely worth showing
1: yeah in terms of you know a lot of horses in this race coming out of this race that we're about to watch um i kind of thought the the one and the three today or the three and the five in that race were probably you know the the two contenders in here um I ended up going with the one because I thought uh that the three was probably gonna end up being the favorite, you know, just yep. with Irad, you know, you always the people like to talk about how you always pay the tax when you, you know, bit Irad down at Gulfstream. Um so I ended up going with Tap It three times, who's the one in here. Uh actually was the favorite over um Reza Reza's Rolex, uh who's yep. the three in the spot. Um I do like the fact that that uh you get to the top of the stretch here and
0: uh you even get the pocket back
1: in the middle of that yeah the paco's (laughs) looking back like he's got a ton of horse and then uh as we hit the top of the stretch tap it three times pretty much looks like he's gonna go by and then irad pulls his typical i won't call it bs but you know (laughs) leans on the other horse and, and ends up fighting back um uh, for the one horse that day, Sammy Camacho was on, or I believe that's Sammy Camacho,
0: Sammy Camacho, uh, uh, Samuel Camacho. Is it Sammy Camacho or Sammy Camacho Jr.? I think, it, I think it might've been, uh, that is something, uh, it's Sammy Camacho Jr. Yeah.
1: But anyway, I, I think the switch to Paco is huge because, you know, Paco is an aggressive guy himself and oh. he's not going to back down him from a fight. So I, I think, yep. you know, if, if something like that happens again, Paco's, you know, not going to turn away, and he's going to fight to the wire.
0: I don't disagree with you. We saw it last week, where uh, on the bad side for me, it ended up you know getting left up one day, getting taken down the next. I'm not going to get into it, guys. We it was all, a uh,
1: cruising man, wasn't he? Yep, it?
0: it was cruising man. Yep, yeah. and I, uh, of course, Cronsway's Richie didn't do a whole lot of running that day. Uh, um, but cruising man was something I needed, you know, to stay alive in a lot of the bets that. And the bets that I gave out to you guys as well on Twitter at AP Roscoe K. I put out all of my picks, you know, and now Noah is going to start putting out his picks as well. So that's definitely West Coast bias. It's going to put up his picks and hopefully you can get a piece of those scores that have been coming on recently, but actually not really recently, but you know what I mean? Um, uh, Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Um, I mean, we, we, we can talk about it all the time with the stewards, but I just think tap it three times was really unlucky to not win that race and the fact that he's going to get Paco which you can only consider a rider upgrade being on the inside going to have a pretty pretty near identical trip if not on the lead just off the lead and can switch out the top and can switch out to the top of the stretch and run a really nice race. Completely agree with you know a tap of 3 times is my top pick in this race. We talked about Reza's Rolex um, you have the number six, 10th mountain and third. I have Pirate Radio off of a pretty nice trip last time as well with Jose. Gets Jose back aboard for Jose D'Angelo. Just another one that might be able to trip out with a little bit more of an aggressive ride. The switch back to the route, I think, was the key last time coming from that five furlong sprint where he tried to get going. He tried to get going. Finally got going at the end. It just didn't, I mean, had no nowhere to go as it was you know probably the final 16th before he started gaining ground puts him back to the route runs a really nice race and now comes back to the route again first time lasix i think could also be another key angle with pirate radio definitely one for my underneath play for sure and um the number four paint i'll talk about the number four actually the number four painters prodigy is one i like i said guys i could be completely wrong here it's coming out of a laurel race in november 23rd but Gary Capano, who's a very nice trainer over at like the East Coast, at the East Coast Circuit, but gets Brittany Russell, which, I mean, realistically, not even, I mean, you can't judge by percentages, but everyone knows Brittany Russell could even be considered an upgrade here. Gets Louis aboard, who, I mean, just seems like a horse that's really well-meant for a spot like this. And although, and gets first-time Lasix as well, although might not be one of the most, obvious choices I think could be one to run really well a little bit a little bit sneaky underneath maybe like an eight to one type horse but no I'll let you round out the conversation here the number six tenth mountain who I mentioned Jeremiah O'Dwyer and um I think it's David Egan um uh he's the guy uh coming over from Europe so to finally gets on a horse and I mean got a little bit light on the figures but so is everyone else in the spot
1: yeah there's definitely no world beaters in here um I think the you know insert of pirate radio into the race is pretty big because I think it's gonna you know press the pace a little bit. I think tenth mountain, uh, he's a little bit better with the target. You see the the number was slow, but you know he he came from way back uh, into a little bit of a hot pace. But I just think you know needs more of a target. Last time was a little you know cool for him and he had to go out wide. Um, I'm just you know thinking maybe second off again. Nobody in this field that really flatters. Uh, and it's gonna be a – Quite a bit of a prize here.
0: I don't disagree with you by any means. You know, there's just a lot of different ways, especially underneath you can go. I feel like the top choices are going to kind of be a little bit cut and dry in this race, that being Reza's Rolex, tap it three times. You know, the other ones are a little bit light on figures, but could obviously improve. It's not like Noah said, there's any world beaters in this type of field, but the two top choices are pretty much separated numbers wise from the rest. But underneath, there's a lot of different ways you can go so and then we'll talk real quick about charlie i mean patrick and charlie you should uh, we obviously don't talk to each other before we send uh. these picks, but they might as well have done it together they have Rez's rolex in the number eight it's the only we didn't talk Papa papadu jorge delgado for uh with sammy camacho jr who we touched on before won a 16 claimer just a very pretty easy trip although it was a he did it very well um I just don't know how that maiden 16 is going to class up to a horse like to a, a horse to a race like this. I mean, I get it again. There's no world beaters in here. And Papadoo Papadou could be one to trip out, but I'm not sure it can be challenging um, if either the one or the three improve on their last number. But definitely one, again, to keep in mind, I feel like I've said it for every horse in this race, but definitely one to fill out your bottom two placings. I'm going 174. Patrick's going 183. Charlie's going 138, and Noah's going 136. Going to switch over, guys, to race number nine, and this is where it starts to get really good. This is the Ginger Brew Stakes, 125,000 going a mile on the turf. Remember, we talked about the short run-up to the first turn at a mile in the 16th. This is even shorter. I mean, this is it's pretty instantaneous almost. I mean, I've, other than the seven and a half furlongs they sometimes run, two turns at Gulfstream Park. I mean, this is pretty much as close as you can get to that first turn. Um, draws a field of 13, of 12, excuse me, with one also eligible. Morningland favorite. I mean, it could be a toss up between the number 12, Life's and Audible, albeit all the way on the outside ozaro will definitely take some money for clement and gaff leon and waskisu i'm gonna take a guess wakishu for alvarado and mod could also take some money off a very very nice last race but i will switch over the picks right now no one will get into it here three of us are actually going you know with a horse that looks to be at least a little bit of a middling price wakishu but noah you are going you don't have wakishu anywhere actually you were going with a with a horse that looks to be a pretty decent price, the number five. Time to dazzle, Joe Bravo and Mark Cassie. This is going to be a good going to be a good one because I mean Charlie has the horse second, but Patrick and I have the horse nowhere. So no, what would you like most about Time to Dazzle?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty interested in Time to Dazzle in this spot. Um, you go back to the maiden breaker. Um, actually, you know, beat the boys at Woodbine. Um, yep. And then Cassie, you know, had enough confidence to throw her in the Jessamine, uh, was four to one in that spot, which, uh, you know, Buku ended up beating that field pretty good. But I think, you know, that was a pretty decent grade too. Um, didn't end up, you know, running all that well, uh, get some time off, uh, comes back to Gulfstream uh, on December 15th. Uh, another uh, race, as I touched on earlier, that was, you know, supposed to be on the turf. It ended up going to the synthetic. Uh, if you go uh, to that, uh, also claiming 75 on the 15th. Um, sorry, Kyle, I'm making you go all over the no, place. You're good. Uh, <laughs> time to dazzle uh, was the even money favorite in that spot. Um, and Joe Bravo kind of just you know, centered to the lead and and she never looked back. The thing to me that was you know, really impressive is she, she went pretty fast early, she wasn't you know, pressured uh, all that much. Um but Bravo never went to the stick. Uh, you know, It's was a hand ride all the way around. Um, I don't know if, you know, she's got the class to compete with some of these in here. Um, and I will say, I'm not the biggest Joe Bravo fan. It's not, uh, you know, as nearly as big of a hatred for DeSorma as it is for Bravo. Um, but <laughs> uh, I just, you know, name, like the way that, you know, time to dazzle is going. And I think, you know, She's pretty well wet for Cassie. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think you know she's gonna be
0: ready to fire. I mean, like I said, time to dazzle is one that's gonna be a pretty like look to be a pretty decent price. I mean, I personally, I just think she was just better than that 75k field. I mean, Joe Bravo, I mean, she showed speed in the past, but nothing like last time. I think Bravo just said, I'm gonna go to lead, come catch me if you're better. And it just never obviously no one was nearly as good. As time to dazzle was being that it was a hand ride, so time to dazzle could be one to pick up a pieces. And well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, someone finally decides to show up. I mean, I'll, I'll check my watch here. Um, I think it's like thirty minutes late or something like that. Albeit, I know he was trying to get home. I, I'm just giving him some crap. But from um, the team that is, does not play on New Year's Eve and does, hasn't played for a while. Charlie Freeman. Charlie, what's going on, man?
2: Hey, I thought we said 8:30. I had to get back from family dinner. What can I say?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuses, excuses is what I hear. But anyway, now you're back. Now you can go because you and I have the same horse. And I'm interested to hear what you like about Wakishu, Wakisu. Um, I'm gonna say Wakishu from now on because I believe that's how you pronounce the SIU. But and if I'm wrong. Hate me for it. I got nothing for you. So what did you think most, Charlie, about Wakishu?
2: Yeah, this is a horse I feel very strongly about. You know, trained by Bill Mott and getting his guy, Junior Alvarado. Uh Last time out, just looked like a completely different horse. You know, again, as we've gotten better at handicapping, I've become one who's more appreciative of replays. And, you know, not just looking at the most recent race, but trying to understand, you know, how much growth is there truly there for a horse. And I feel like you can really see that with this six horse. And the trip last time out, yes, it was pretty ideal, but it was still a pretty – hot pace for the horse to have to keep up with and be we able to hang in there the whole time. And then not only win, but win going away, I just think I love the trip for this horse. I think realistically, I know there's a lot of speed in this race, but I don't think this horse needs the lead. I understand that time form indicates that the six could go to the lead and be right up there. But I think ideally the six sits right next to the five just behind and then right off the turn just goes right by. And I don't think the distance will be the problem. Horse is working forwardly Um, we'll get to our best bets later, but I love this horse in this spot.
0: I do too. And you know, I talk about it a lot here and you know, the big number, big number jumps is something that I'm not too big of a fan of, but Bill Mott ran this horse on the dirt twice. And even from first to second start, this horse took a pretty decent bump behind. And I mean, look at this first race. I mean, Alice beach life talk, uh, Emery. There's a lot of good running line in the dirt races, then jumps to the turf. And just absolutely impressive, although albeit an ideal trip, still just extremely impressive the way that uh Wakishu carried him carried herself. I call myself, doesn't count. I the way she carried herself through that race. I was very, very impressed. And to look to get a similar trip this time, probably I don't expect the Mots to battle. I really don't. I think Wakishu probably has a little bit more of an opportunity to sit than San Pantaleo does. So I think um, Junior Alvarado, and the other thing, I guess, is Junior Alvarado choosing, because obviously he rides first call for Bill Mott 95% of the time. The fact that he chooses on Waukesha is another big boost, and I'm not usually one for jockey gymnastics, as we call it, but um, that's a big that's another big plus for me. I think Waukesha sits off the seven, let the seven go, then come to the outside if he has room. Um, I just really do like the trip as well, Charlie, as you pointed out for the number six Waikishu as we move close as we move on here. Noah, I'll let you talk on we have all have the number four Ozara in there, some being some in second, some in third. I mean little I mean, obvious probably a little light on figures, but um got the job done on the way a while last time, albeit it took a a pretty long while, no pun intended, to get finally get there at you know, forty cent or uh, eighty cents to your dollar. But Again, she got uh, winners do what winners do, and they win.
1: Yeah, they do win. Um, the thing with those are is, you know, she's talented. She she like you said, she didn't really do anything wrong in the wait a while. Um, you know, yeah. she didn't really win like a, a ninety cents the dollar horse really should. Um, and it is interesting, you know, if if you are a little bit against her, you can make the case that uh, you know Irad isn't riding and he goes to uh, the horse on the outside um I just you know a horse that's you know very consistent and one that's if you're playing a horizontal ticket it's probably gonna be pretty hard to leave
0: off I completely agree I couldn't agree more with you there and obviously honestly if Ozari has a little bit more kick this time down the lane albeit it was a cold it was a pretty decent you know a cold pace last time being 46 and four is not really that slow but then going 110 and one you know it's back to back basically 24 second quarters in there. So a little bit slowed down and was still able to get there again. Winners win. And if Ozara can continuously continue to improve off that 76, maybe into the low eighties this time, I I don't think I could leave her anywhere off any of my tickets, realistically speaking, but Ozara is definitely one that could trip out. Um, We'll go to the outside horses here, Charlie. I'll let you touch on, um actually, yeah, you talked about time to Gazel. So yeah. Let, we'll, we'll go over here. So, Noah, you have the 11 in third, Golden Ghost for Mark Cassie. This is one that's going to have to be used early. And albeit the horses to her inside aren't necessarily slow or fast, but I mean, she's going to have to get over in a pretty quick run to the first turn.
1: Yeah, she is. Um, Uh, you know, she did end up breaking the maiden at Del Mar. Don't give me no West Coast bias nonsense because she ran three times Saratoga. So don't give me that. I mean, Um,
0: fourth, fifth, fourth, sixth, fifth, and then all (laughs) of a sudden she wins at Del Mar. I don't know, man. (laughs)
1: Um, you know, I when I watched Golden Ghost last race, uh, you know, the the number is a little light. Uh, but she never looked like a loser. She did get a, a very good trip. Um, but I just, you know, I think there was a little more in the tank. Um, I'm not, you know, so much concerned that Gathlion doesn't ride because he's on Ozara, who's, you know, probably going to be one of the top choices in here. Uh, but Edgar Zayas is, you know, he's talented in his own right. Um, yeah, just a horse totally. that, you know, if, if he's able to get over from that 11 post or, um, yep. you know, being that far outside, he can, you know, sit a similar trip to time to dazzle and some of those others.
0: Uh, and, you know, she, she might, she's probably going to be a, a, a lot better price than some of these in here. I don't disagree with you. And uh Howard, I'll get to your comment in a second here, because I'm sure everyone else can attest. I'm assuming that's why everyone else left life's an Audible off the ticket. But um, I mean that post is just absolutely brutal. Um, albeit, you know, she is definitely the class of this field, being the you know, half to miss half in the miss girl to hard to justify the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly turf winner. Um, that's nothing to be, you know shy of it all but the problem is is that she's she likes to be forwardly placed did break her maiden at five and a half though coming from farther back so being route races i think she likes to be up a little bit closer and that post just does her absolutely no favors i mean i'll go up to this the track map here i mean you'll see that they start basically at the finish line guys and that's that's the run-up almost and you got to go immediately into that first turn from a 12 post where there's horses. There's a lot of horses, the inside that want to gain the same position you're getting. I mean, she, she could easily be six, seven wide into the first turn and we've seen it. I mean, we saw it last week. We talked about uh, Charlie. We talked about horses all the way on the outside in those mile races. And they're there. They weren't not even in the parking lot. They're an I four for Christ's sake, all yeah. the way out in, you know, in the 10 path on the first turn, which I mean, Basically, you're on the ten path. Unless you can get position pretty quickly, you're kind of screwed. So yeah, I just
2: I just don't think Life's an Audible is fast enough to necessarily be able to go by all these other horses. I mean, I guess the good angle you could look at again. I know that was going shorter, but that Life's an Audible has shown the ability to sit. I don't yeah. think Ired has a choice but to sit. I think it's going to take too much out of Life's an Audible, who. Obviously, it's a classic field, but the figures are still a little light. I think it's also hard, knowing that it's Pletcher and Ired, there's not going to be much money there to get. And yeah. again, just having to navigate that trip, I feel like if Ired has to send, I don't think Life's an audible's not going to have enough in the tank. I think the only hope is being able to navigate where enough ground can be saved sitting just off, and hopefully some sort of gap opens where he doesn't have to go 7-8 wide.
0: I don't disagree with you by any means. This is my other one, guys. I have Yada in third. This is a deep closer, but not really as much upside, I think, as the rest of them, but um, lost to Zona Verde in that race that we talked about on uh, on Thursday, last Thursday, Charlie, where Zona Verde didn't come to run back very well in that race. But the point still stands. was third in a grade three. These earlier races are really what I'm keying on. I mean, that second at Keeneland and the non-losers of two was very good. The Dozens Diamonds. just There's a lot of different ways. I know the 10 post is pretty bad, but this horse, I think the 10 Versus the 12 with a pose like this, the 10s has basically no for early speed at all. So the 10s is going to drop back, probably be two, three wide on the first turn, as opposed to the 12 that one is, wants to gain position with five horses to her, her inside. It's going to be a lot harder trip. So I like a horse like 10 yada in case something drastic happens and the pace completely melts. Yada is going to be the one to pick up the pieces for me. Albeit, she might not be as fast as some of the other fillies in this Race. I'm going 6, 6410. That's Wakishu, Ozara, and Yada. I'm Patrick's going six, seven, four, Wakishu, San Pantaleo, and uh Ozara. Charlie's going six five four. Wakishu time to dazzle Ozara. Noah's going time to 5-4-11. Da- time to dazzle Ozara Golden Ghost. Guys, switching over race number 10 here as we move along pretty quick. Race number 10 as I switch over the picks right now. This is the Limehouse Stakes, hundred thousand dollars going six furlongs on the dirt. And guys, there's some really, pardon, I mean, not even pardon, my friend. There's some really weird shit in this race. Um, and I'll move over to the picks right now, guys. But you'll see the field of seven right here. The morning line, the morning line favorite has got to be the number two, the runner up in the Juvenile Turf Sprint. The juvenile, yeah, the Juvenile Turf Sprint, Valiant Force. David Egan takes the ride for, uh, takes the mount for Jorge Delgado, and I mean. Cuban Thunder is going to be your second choice. Miguel Vazquez, Jorge Delgado, and Surf Flash on the inside. The most, the Iowa bread is most likely going to be the third choice. And Noah, we're we're basically we're split two and two here, guys. Noah and I are both going with the number one, Surf Flash, while Patrick and Charlie are going to take the chalk. Um, Valiant Force, Charlie. I'll let you touch on Valiant Force. There's not too much to say, really. But why the move to the dirt?
2: Yeah, you know, certainly that's something you have to question. But for me, it's something I'm willing to look by simply from the ability that I saw. You know, I remember we were all there for this race. It was an incredible performance. I don't think any of us are really on valiant force. Uh, you know, being a horse that was gonna need to close, needed more distance, even if it was that hot of a pace, just was like you are not gonna get there. But the fact that Valiant Force was able to get within half a length against Big Ebbs, who is one of the most talented horses in the world going sprinting and absolutely flew. I mean you can't yeah, th- you we'll can't the, emphasize we'll the stretch, enough how right. fast they went. I mean twenty and three, forty three and three, I don't care if you say, you know, sometimes the times are more you know generous in Cali, they go faster. I mean watching this in person, I, I didn't even know say. it felt like I was watching like a forty yard dash for those of you who are you know, into the NFL and you're I watching mean, the combine.
0: That's what the so, whole race felt like. Charlie, real quick. I mean, you see Big Evs here. Which one do you think is Valiant Force? I mean, this is Valiant, all the way out here. I mean, he's probably nine wide into the stretch. Also, there's my beautiful boy. Shout out to shout out to Shards. But um, yeah. I mean, he comes flying in the final. I mean, the final 16th you see here, he's just picking off everybody. And the, with the, granted, with the clearest run, but still three quarters of the length of Big Evs. Who ran absolutely monstrous in a hot pace in that race? Um, but Valley Force, I mean, look, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm in that race, but I, I just don't understand. I mean, maybe he worked himself onto the dirt, guys. I mean, look at these works. Yeah, the works
2: are incredible.
0: I mean, 47 flat bullet on 20 on the 22nd, and then comes back 47 and once, just second. All just, I mean, a place off a bullet. So maybe this horse, maybe Valley Force just worked himself onto the dirt, which could be the case. And Delgado is pretty decent with this type of move. Very small sample size, but I think he's either two for six or three for six off of a, um, a trainer switch to the dirt from the turf. So again, very small sample size, but does uh, do well with this type of move. And pro- easily probably the most classy, the classiest horse in this field by far. Just the, can the horse take to the dirt Um, will be the question here. Cuban Thunder is the other horse that we'll talk about real quick. Cuban Thunder ran a really nice race on the t- but an off the turf to Peter race, but coming over from Ireland as well, from turf racing to Peter racing ran in the Breeders' Cup juvenile, just uh, probably nowhere to be found. Granted fierceness absolutely ran a hole in the wind that day, but that second race at Gold Street at, uh, at Goldstream instills a little bit more confidence that the horses can actually run on the dirt, albeit it was on the Tapita. But um, you can go many different ways with, you know, does Tapita take more to turf or dirt? I just think Cuban Thunder, being that 83, could, could even continue to improve off of a race like that. And if he does, he could give a lot of horses in this race a run for their money. But, Noah, last, I mean, realistically, the last horse we only need to talk about is the number one, Surf Flash, Gerardo Choa. Um, last time in the inaugural, the Tampa Bay downs right, headed down the stretch, just got passed up, but, um, you know, got shuffled back at the start. Not really where this horse wants to be. I think this horse is much better on the lead where's where I think size will have him, which is why I really like surf flash. Noah, what about you? Yeah,
1: I, I really don't see a lot of speed in this race. I think, you know, you pick up size and it's just a complete send, um, yeah. I mean, I think he pretty much has to send from the rail. Um, you know, maybe the numbers are a little light, um, but I just, I just don't. You know, this is a really weird race, like you said. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna put my confidence in Saez on the lead. Um, also, quick note: shout out the breeders, Iowa State University. That's a, yeah. that's a little down to earth uh, for me, uh, which is kind of cool to see. I um, actually, you know, threw in the five in second. Um, mm. I was just kind of looking for horses that have kind of proven on the dirt just because we don't really know about the Delgado runners. Yeah. Um, you know, last time you could have claimed this horse for forty um <laughs> at, at Tampa. Uh, and, you know, the horse runs well enough uh, for O'Connell to, uh, you know, throw him uh, in a $100,000 stake and you pick up, you know, Jose Ortiz. Um, and again, you know, the numbers could be a little on the lighter side and compared to what
0: we've seen from these two but just, you know, a really weird race all around. I completely, and then Charlie, you have the six. Real quick, anything you want to touch on with Hermoso Hombre before we move on?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm going with all the uh, the Delgado's here, getting a Delgado one, two, three. But (laughs) yeah, uh, yeah, honestly, for me, I guess I like the last whoop was a a bullet, and kind of like what Noah was saying. I was just looking for a a horse that had any experience, really, On I know it's uh, the all-weather, but still just something that's not just turf, some experience at uh, the Gulfstream. And again, I know the figures are a little light, but I think, Hermoso will take well to the distance. I think could set a decent stalking trip uh, at a decent price to get somewhere underneath.
0: Yeah. Noah, what's what's your down to home connection to Iowa State? North Dakota State is next. I love it, Paul. What's (laughs) your connection to Iowa State?
1: It was just cool to see that, you know, there's students at a university that are, you know, contributing to something like horse racing it's not something that you you know well especially iowa
0: state right um but yeah shout out arizona is another uh, school that Mm -hmm. does it as well they obviously have the big uh racetrack industry program but yeah they're the ones that they're also ones that breed horses but yeah it was actually it was pretty cool to see also an iowa bred running you know in a race like this is always nice to see as well i'm going one for two guys again that's surf flash over uh, Cuban Thunder over Valiant Force again, these could change. Follow me on Twitter at AP K for my full, complete analysis on Saturday when this obviously runs that morning. Uh, Patrick's going Valiant Force, Surf Flash, Cuban Thunder. Charlie's going Valiant Force, Cuban Thunder, Omoso Ombre, Hombre. And Noah's going Surf Flash, Louis the Sun King, and Cuban Thunder. Guys, moving on to race number, t- um. Race number 11, the last leg of the late pick five, and this is probably the be- the hardest and best race of them all. Uh, I would argue the feature on the day. It's the Danya Beach Stakes, 125 going a mile on the turf. Again, another short run-up. We continue to hammer it home. Morningland favorite, I mean, probably dip between Palm Tree, the 7, and Agate Road, the number 10. I would probably give the nod to the Agate Road with what, I, with what Brian Natto likes to call the IRAD tax. That i am now adopting so shout out to brian for that one but um palm tree won't be far behind i mean even a horse like um um depiction probably won't be too far behind typhoon fury will be get will be bet just a little bit air recruit as well but um agate road most likely your morning morningland favorite for this one as we switch over three of us i i know one. i talked about this before when i was inputting stuff I thought I would, you know, I thought we were getting I was getting a little bit clever and Noah's like, you guys have the two. I thought I was getting clever. It was literally like the same exact um, thing back and forth. But, Charlie, you are going with the number 10 Agate Road. So I'll switch over right now. Um, My concern is pretty obvious, um, as I'm sure you can tell. But what do you like most about the number 10 Agate Road?
2: Yeah, you know it's funny. You guys all put the two on top because I firmly wanted to put uh, Palm Tree in second. I just felt like Palm Tree loves to run just close. Uh, I was actually flipping back and forth between putting the ten and two on top, and I thought I'd be the only one to do the two if I did that. Uh, but I tried to be a chalk eater and just stick with the ten. So I guess we all are all over this two, and now the horse will either run or come dead last. But uh, yep, yeah, yeah, back right. to the back to the ten horse here. I just think it's the class of the field, you know ran in the Pilgrim, then runs in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Grade 1. And, you know, I, I know the field because of the scratches I ended up being pretty weak, but still unquestionable is an unbelievable horse. You can ask West Coast Bias himself, who was all over that horse on that day. And, uh, you know, just, to finish just two lengths behind a horse of that talent for me just says a lot. I understand the figures don't jump off the page, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's Ripoli, it's Pletcher, it's Irad. I get you'll get the tax, and I know we're concerned about the gate, but the one thing I will say is, for me, it's a lot better if you're a closer that's on the outside because you're going to want to navigate towards the inside anyway. Than if you're a speed horse like we touched on in the races earlier. Uh, so again, I just think ultimately the class of the ten will be able to get it done. But as you touched on, this is a pretty open race. You got, you know, we'll touch on it in a moment. Palm Tree is always right there and is just bound to get that win again after always just coming up just short. And I know you guys want to touch on the two who is fast and got a troubled trip last time out.
0: Yeah, and no, I'll I'll let you touch on as I go through the replay. This will be the last replay we show for the day and this is a horse that likes to be forwardly placed which is something i'm sure you picked up on and definitely was not forwardly placed in this race by any means Mm -mm.
1: yeah (laughs) the first note that i had on typhoon fury is that the horse should be more forwardly placed than last time because this break is is pretty brutal
0: yeah i mean you'll see the two right here look at i mean one two three (laughs) horses all converging in on the number two who drops back immediately here like i said this horse wants to be you know, at least min at maximum probably a length and a half, two lengths back, and I mean, he's spotting the field probably six lengths, five lengths here right off the gate here, and he only continues to drop farther back. And I mean, there's not too much like you can't even like hate on Castellano for it. I mean, what what else was he supposed to do? You know, the horses wants to be up, but he he actually does end up. Um, I'll continue to play it here. He does end up rushing the horse. Not really rushing up the horse, but just gradually bringing the horse up. You can see Castellano right here, three wide on the two. And he still comes with a pretty late, with a late run. You know, it's a full driving, you know, backstretch, uh, three wide run here. See the two in the pink here. I'll switch, I'll fast forward just a little bit more. And not necessarily like a very like push button go, but given the, the spotting break and the fact that he was still able to get up does end up getting third, I believe uh, loses to the seven Wally world coming up on a much easier trip on the inside. Only losing to that by a nose in the end on a Bob. I was very impressed with the, you know, basically resilience of Typhoon Fury, which I'm sure you were as well. Noah first time routing as well. And that, that late run showed me that this horse is I not too um, concerned about the distance for the source by any means. Yeah. no, I was
1: definitely press impressed with that last race. Um, After after the incident, you know, the horse exerted a lot of energy to, especially early, to try to get back into the race and was wide as well, and then came with that run. Um, For me, the the thing that kind of tipped me over was there were you know a few spots that Saez I thought could have gone, and he ended up here for George Weaver, who is you know having a hell of a meet himself as well. Um, You know, i i thought I thought this horse you know was going to be a pretty decent price, but you know maybe
0: not with the familiarity with all of our co-hosts here i guess yeah the, the source is going to be you know six to five now that all of us gave it up no not even cl- probably not even close to that i'm 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 aiming for somewhere around like the five to one mark i think is pretty fair for typhoon fury maybe a little bit less um just based on you know obviously it's Ripoli. poley gets aboard. you'll get a little bit taxed for that but four to one i think four to one's pretty fair for typhoon fury in a field like this I would even I mean five to one is still not out of the question by any means. But we'll go through the rest of the field here, guys. We have the number seven, Palm Tree. Not too much to say, really, um, on this horse. Charlie, I'll let you touch on Palm Tree um real quick and then no, I'll let you go three go through the other two that you have as I have the three in there as well.
2: Yeah, palm tree just hasn't gotten the greatest trips lately. I mean, again, you can't make an excuse for a horse every time and say your work, but the reality is after you know, the race at Ellis, the last three races have been solid. You know, one at Kentucky Downs, uh, you know, didn't run bad at Keeneland uh, in the Bourbon. Just honestly, in a hot pace where the horse was kind of trying to stalk, just didn't really work out. And then last time, closed up to a neck. Uh, and, you know, if you look, at, I believe it was the Keeneland race where the horse really ran into trouble down the stretch. And just, you you literally see, if you want to talk about the worst time possible, a horse can get steady. I know we're not showing any more replays. But right when Palm Tree was about to start to really get going and ramp up, the horse just got completely studied and then just without even being asked naturally showed a little more at the end. But I think with a clean trip certainly could have won. And then last time out at Gulfstream just misses. Uh, I think the distance will be good here. And then, you know, again, gets an Ortiz brother. Brendan Walsh is a great trainer. Horse just worked a minute. So, you know, the bullet workout is there. And again, Palm Tree is just one of those horses yep. that always takes money, but I would argue isn't a money burger because it's always not the favorite, but one of them, but runs, you know, runs race and is always right there.
0: I will say I was on palm tree the whole way through in that pulpit six. Did get a little bit tight. Got, I mean, herded, I guess it says in the notes, really got rubbed and didn't just couldn't really go by. I mean, you know, I don't know if it was I read, but it was basically I read shenanigans. The horse was getting rubbed up on as the horse was going by. And all of a sudden two horses come flying over the top and it take him out. So I think palm tree still run a pretty, uh, ran a really nice winning race in that, um, and that last in the pulpit at Goldstream, but we'll have to get beat. What I probably say would be a little bit harder of a field in this one. And then depiction's the last horse, Noah. Um, I'll get I'll let you touch on anything you want. The bourbon was, I mean, a little bit disappointing because I was actually on depiction, I think, for that race as well. Um, a little bit disappointing after that really nice maiden breaker at Ellis Park, albeit a lot of horses came back to um to run really well out of the bourbon. And the horse has been working lights out at Paul Meadows.
1: Yeah, I, I know we were in the same room that day. And uh, I don't know if you remember uh, or not, but I I love depiction of the Bourbon. And I was you yep. know all over him. Uh, you know, he, he didn't run super well. Uh, I think he was actually, you know, either 10 or 12 to one morning line and got bet down pretty heavily. Um, for me, I, I think the horse is, you know, really talented. I don't know if the mile is really what he wants when I've, when I've seen him run, it seems like he's one that kind of wants a little more distance. Um, so in terms of depiction, you know, I don't, you know, always look for horses kind of down the road. Um, but I think
0: depiction could, you know, very well have a very good three-year-old year. I agree with you. I'm very interested in depiction to see how depiction runs on Saturday. Cause that will really give, uh, i keep no pun intended the depiction of how um talented this horse truly is i'm going two seven three patrick's going two ten seven charlie's going ten seven two noah's going two three six guys switching out and i had to bonk howard for this comment right here getting rubbed up on sounds like the breeding shed i i bonked him for that one so that's enough That's go to horny jail is basically what that entails if you know that meme. If you again, if you know, you know. Mark Bocas brings up a very good point. Love that the tropical turf pick three, tropical turf pick three is in the sequence, guys. It's seven, nine, and eleven. So it actually worked out really well that we not only covered the late pick five, but also the tropical turf pick three, which is a very good offering from uh Goldstream Park this win this um championship meet. But I'll bring up guys our best bets here and then we'll end the show. Real quick, Patrick's best bets, race number seven, the double, uh, seven with one eight, if I remember correctly, race number seven, the seven, that was the turf race going a mile a 16th, and the number seven is Game Change, which is actually a very interesting horse. That horse will not be a short, a short morning line. That's the horse coming over from Shug to James Toner, who Touchdown, touched on, who's three for 16 off the trainer switch, but... Last time out at Belmont, you know he's taking that New York horse and bringing him over here or bringing him down to Goldstream Park. Could be a improvement needed for sure, but I love that. You know it's a very aggressive single which I love, and he's bringing it with Tapit three times and the number eight Papa Do Papa Do, and in race number eleven he has a win on number two Typhoon Fury. Charlie, I'll let you talk about your best bets here real quick. Race number nine, you're going with win on number six Wakishu. And race number nine, you're going a double also with Wakishu into the two and a four, which is Valiant Force and Cuban Thunder. Charlie, talk about your best bets.
2: Yeah, for me, I'm just trying to play around the horse I feel strongest about in the sequence. Uh, you know, we always talk about standing on your opinion, and I, I love the six in the spot. I think you can take, I think the horse can take a step forward and you'll get a good value. I'd say, ideally, anywhere in like the three to one range and higher, I'd be really happy. Uh, and then with my double is pretty simple. I mean, I agree with what Bossman was saying in the comments. Valiant Force, in theory, should dominate this race. I mean, the works show it. The performance last time out shows it. But just in case, because the horse hasn't been on the turf, and you're right, maybe it is the works, but you never know. It also could just be like they wanted to get the horse back out there. I want to hedge my bet a little bit. So playing with the double M as you talk about, would certainly be Dutch in them. Uh, So also the four Cuban Thunder in there is just the two most logicals played in with my horse. Um, And then I also will say real quick, because I know I uh, missed out on the first two races. Uh, So I know I was 10-11 uh eight i believe in the first race we covered i think quality g should be able to get it done and i love the figures but i also think fredo is so damn fast and could wire the field so those are the two i would watch out for the most uh the next race i know it's like your classic arlington-esque race just some bad horses that have all run against each other uh ultimately i do like tap it three times i just like the youth of the horse and the fact that there hasn't been as much experience it looks like there could be more upside i know the horse didn't get by uh, the three last time, but could. And I think the one other horse to look out for, I just wanted a new face. I think Papadu Papadu, outside of being a great name, is interesting because I think the horse could want some more distance after last time sitting off the pace. So that's my very quick analysis for the two races I
0: missed. Hey, you know, for showing up late, I'll give it to you. Um, good luck with your best bets, Charlie. On- saturday of course i'm just giving him shit you gotta gotta give you shit if you show up that late noah's best bets race number seven a win on number eight american diamond the horse that noah talked about that actually none of us liked so again a nice um kind of following on the uh patrick best bet wave of just being you know by himself which i really like and race number nine a win on number five time to dazzle so two horses that you know Noah feels really strongly about the neither of none of us really had. So Noah, explain talk about your best bets. Yeah,
1: I actually think Charlie had uh American Diamond in third. Yeah, third. Um, yeah, but um I just think with you know Quality G's probably I think is probably going to be a pretty heavy favorite, and I I think he's probably a little bit vulnerable. Uh, maybe just doesn't like to get it done. Yeah, uh, I think you know American Diamond's probably going to be a decent price. I'd say maybe four to one if I had to guess. Um, you never know, maybe you could, you know, get some saffy money. Um, and then the second one was, uh, in the ninth race, uh, I went with time to dazzle, um, favorite in there is probably going to be life's audible, which frankly I don't like at all. Um, yeah. and has to deal with that outside post. So, uh, after that, I, I think there's a lot of you know opportunity for some prices and I think time to dazzle, you know, has had some left in the tank last time. Maybe it was a bad field. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but, you know, Cassie's, you know, somebody that I'm not going to question. And, and if, you know, the horse is ready, I, I think she can, you know, get it done.
0: I don't look, I love it, man. And, you know, I think there's a lot of horses on the outside that you really have to make decisions on. Um, that being Agate Road in the, um, in race number 10 and the gingerbrew, you have um, Life's an Audible, as Noah talked about, race number nine. And in race number seven, even, you have the horse all the way to the outside. um you know, uh the quality G who a lot of us had on top, but there's a lot of horses you have to make decisions about being that they might be post-compromised. So Noah makes some very good points. Noah good luck with your best bets as well. And guys, these are mine. I have two win bets and I'll explain why. Um there's there's a, there's a double combination that I do like but i think the number six wakishu and race number nine will be a pretty good price if he does end up getting bet down below what i want but the doubles make it where i can play it that way i will that's the way that's the way i'm willing to be able to play it is if wakishu goes like below like seven to two maybe four to one somewhere in there but the doubles are still giving to the three horses i have in the next race which is valiant force um uh, gosh! In the Limehouse, Valiant Force, Surf, Surf Flash, and uh, Cuban Thunder. Um, if the doubles are nice, I'll play it that way. But I really like Waukesha, and I think he has a lot of good upside to improve second time on the turf. And in the Danya Beach, there's a lot of different ways you can go. But I really like that this that Typhoon Fury is going to be on the inside um, after showing a very good, promising uh, run last time with some very with some very big trouble out of the gate. I think Typhoon Fury could go a little bit under the radar, maybe in that four or five to one price price point, and you can get some really good money home on that one. But guys, that is going to wrap up episode number fifty-five of Betting and Boozing on the HHH Racing Podcast. Like I said, really appreciate everybody joining in here, guys. As we continuously go on, Um, this is technically—I know—episode fifty-two. You know, I said this is one year of Betting and Boozing, but honestly, like. The beginning of January, guys, was when we started betting and boozing first. And really, guys, I mean, obviously Noah wasn't there at the start, but he he was was on the podcast in the middle of the year, did such a great job that we brought him on full time. And it's just taken off ever since. We can only thank you guys for that. Um, I've explained this before, but this really just started as an experiment. Um, You know, Howard and I were talking about how we can kind of appeal to a younger audience and get a little bit more people into the game. And we came up with Ben and Boozin, and it's really just, you know, we've had thousands of views ever since, you know, we're probably in the 20,000, 30,000 view marks somewhere around there. And we only have you guys to thank for that. So thank you guys so much again for everything you guys do as this. I mean, this podcast would be nothing without you guys. So thanks again to everyone out there, but for my co-hosts, Noah Maher and Charlie Freeman, actually, wait a second, Charlie, real quick here. I watched the Michigan game 27 to 20 over Alabama. It was a fantastic game. It really was. And both teams, albeit um, a defensive battle, um, probably two of the best defenses. And I think Washington, Michigan, if Washington can actually penetrate Michigan's defense, I think it might just be a shootout. I really do. Um, Washington's defense is not bad, but it's not the best by any means. Um, as you saw, Texas and Washington, and you've seen it in Washington's Pac-12 games. They've gotten into some shootouts before. So I want to hear an unbiased opinion because I believe this game's on Monday the eighth, right? Because yes. I was gonna, I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, no, actually, so we won't have time to talk about it next week. So I want to talk about it real quick here. But um, thank you guys, thanks to everyone that listened to the horse racing segment. But Charlie, real quick, I kind of want to get your opinion on what's going to happen here with college football.
2: Yeah, so you know, obviously people remember from the show last week when we or two weeks ago when we had to give our predictions. Um, you know, I picked Washington against Bama and I picked Washington to win it all. Obviously, you know, Michigan got it done. I did kind of say that I was more confident actually in Washington winning their game than Bama winning theirs. I said that was more of a coin flip, which, you know, with overtime it proved to be. And I talked to Bossman actually about this unbiased consultant, in my opinion. Here's how I see it. I think you have it exactly right, Kyle. I think the reality is if this becomes a shootout, Washington will win. We've seen it before. They've been in these shootouts before. And for me, this just feels like Michigan TCU and not because it's purple and blue. The way I see it is TCU forced Michigan into a high-scoring track meet, and that's not how Michigan likes to win. Michigan likes to win how we were seen early on in their game against Alabama. They want to punch you in your mouth play more physical in the trenches, keep it low scoring, dominate you with a run game and defense. And if it was up to them, they would happily say we can score 20, 21, 24 points every game, and we're going to hold our opponents to 20 or less every time. Washington wants to play until the scoreboard falls off and score as many points as they possibly can. So yeah. I think the reality is if Michigan can contain panics, can slow down Washington and make it a low scoring, you know, do some long methodical drives, I think they win the game. If Washington can hold up enough against Michigan and their pass defense is good, it's been – you saw against Texas, the run defense is obviously the biggest concern because Michigan can run. If they can make J.J. McCarthy have to beat them and Penix can sling it and can make it a high-scoring game, I think Michigan, you could admit, would be in more trouble in a shootout than a low-scoring game because that's not what they want. And I'm banking on the fact – I'm hoping my future cash is – I'm banking on the fact that Washington can make it a shootout. And this truly isn't me being against Michigan. For those of you who remember when we did our college football picks throughout this whole year, when we've mixed in, I've been on Washington since the start of the college football season. As I have in my co- caption right now in Panics We Trust, I'm sticking with them. Uh, and then I'll let you talk, but I want to give two shout outs real quick. Shout out to my Saints for showing up when I went. They finally played a good football game when I show up. And then shout out his boss made touched touchdown to me and Mr. C, who absolutely yeah. ran his heart. I, was I mean, bring you want to talk about. A horse who deserved to win, who was the best horse in the field. All the credit to Louis Size and Fly the W for getting that win, but the horse did get to sit a nicer trip. Ired did all he could. He just had to go so damn wide. But, man, me and Mr. C showed he wasn't a fraud. That race, he put draw a draw line through it. Me and Mr. C is back. I love that horse so much. And it was so cool to watch him in the winter circle. And yes, I was able to contain myself in public and not embarrass the boss. Are
0: you sure? Cause he Charlie yes. almost had a heart attack in the winter circle. That's what I read. So I, I, and you I, weren't I, I jumping around. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I was yelling. Well, that the boss program, that I, giving
2: it one of these. Nope. Bossman <laughs> said I couldn't swear and I couldn't
0: have a heart attack. I didn't do either. So I did my part. That's no, I'm just giving you crap, man. No, I honestly, I'm, this is a game where Mike um, – and he's done it all year, but Mike Sanders still in the Michigan secondary has to step up. They have to make plays. They have to contain Penix um, in the pocket, and he has to, you have to force him to make throws. Granted, he's a very good quarterback, and he does make throws. But the fact of the matter is, is that if they're going to force him to try and find stuff in coverage – the Michigan front will get to him by the time that he has a time he has time to throw the ball and if Michigan can penetrate that pocket I really think Washington is going to be in trouble because Washington is great when Pennix can sling the ball they can throw 15 20 yards at least 10 yards per attempt and they can get a nice 300 400 yard game out of Pennix jr. I really think that's their strong suit they don't have the they have a running game they don't have the best running game and I don't think they're going to have a really good one against a great Michigan front. The thing is, is that you touched on, Charlie, as well. If Coram and um, Donovan Edwards get started up and they, they you know, Coram has another 125-yard game. Donovan Edwards brings up with a 65-75-yard game. It's going to be very hard to stop that Michigan offense if you have that run that's so good and so potent when you can pair it with play action and you can pair it with, you know, run, you know, RPOs and all this type of stuff, that's when Michigan can get really dangerous. And the fact of the matter is if they can establish that, I think it's – and again, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible because I will be sitting in front of the screen screaming at pixels to for J.J. McCarthy to just throw the damn ball at people. But um, I really think that's going to be where Washington can struggle is if they allow that run game to be set up and then allow them to be, you know – like I said, RPO or play action driven—that's where Michigan gets really dangerous. So we'll obviously talk about it next week as we um, as we move as after the game happens. So I want to hear what
2: West Coast bias has to say because I I have futures on Washington and I'm a little bit biased, and you're obviously very biased to Michigan. I want to hear true. the only person who is no horse in the race. And there's no SEC now. The SEC's fraud. None of them made the. None of them made <laughs> well, the None God. of them. They're well, only like nine and zero it. in
0: bowl games. But yeah. Yeah, but they but. didn't
2: win the ones that matter most. All right, now let's no, hear. No, I, I swear we have an SEC team in every year. So the first time he has to watch what's also two future Big Ten teams. So maybe the Big Ten is the best conference. But I want to hear what West Coast bias thinks here. Who do you got,
1: Noah? Uh, I don't. I don't really know who to pick in this in this game. Um, I will say, kind of with all of the, you know drama and discussion about you know who deserved to be in who didn't these two teams damn well deserve to be where they are right now and i'm i'm glad that you know we're gonna have a hopefully a good game on our hands and i'm I'm excited to
0: see it so so you didn't know so you didn't give one you gotta no i gotta get a pick out of you before we move before you end the show well I mean, everyone's say... everyone's been against me from the start, bro. I I was at Disney in the parks, watching, like, going back and forth between talking shit with these guys, watching the game on my phone, and trying to figure out Genie Plus to get whatever get on whatever next ride we wanted to get on. So the battery, uh, the battery life was a little bit drastic, and it died at the at the worst slash best time when I could just fucking watch the game and not have to deal with these guys, but. I want to know what I want to pick before, because um, obviously I'm Michigan. Obviously Charlie's Washington. So I'll give it to you to end off what has been a great show.
1: Yeah, I will say even though Michigan did win that game, um, I was very disappointed with you know the defensive schemes that Michigan was running. I don't know what I mean. Milrow can't throw the ball more than. 12 yards. So I I don't understand why, you know, they didn't have a spy. I mean, every time he got out of the pocket, he was running for 12, 15 yards. I mean, the Michigan defense had a month to prepare and, you know, still had trouble with that. Um, And then now they only get a week to prepare for a completely different offense where Penix is just going to completely sling the ball all over the field. Uh, And important to note that Penix has only been sacked 11 times a whole year. Uh, So, you know, he's, he's, you know, getting that ball out quick. Um, So I, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Michigan is, you know, ready. uh, If, if the coaches are going to get them prepared for, you know, some uh, kind of offense that's completely different. Um, I just think Penix has got all the confidence in the world right now. So I'll go with Washington
2: my boy
0: everyone, west coast you
2: should have known west coast
0: bias. everyone yeah, the west coast against team. the boys as it's been all year it will continue to be even after they win on monday it will still be Michigan's everyone. never
2: fixed adversity Versus. they play no one they play no good quarterbacks no good offenses you're right Washington yeah. to get, Washington to get, no, get through oregon
0: play. who you could argue
2: is one of the most complete teams in the country i don't think it that's a crazy like statement it. to say yeah they blew out liberty i just think they've been an underdog all year i got crushed on Twitter when I said that they would beat Oregon in the Pac-12 as nine and a half point underdogs. They've been, You you can try to play because we're all against Michigan that they're the underdogs. But if we're being unbiased here, Washington's been an underdog. They were an underdog against Texas, an underdog against Oregon. They're an underdog against Michigan. Everybody picks against them, and they keep winning. And they love these close games. That's the only other thing I will add is to Michigan's credit, they, they usually would beat up on teams. You know When Ohio State hung around, they were able to kind of pull away, and OSU made it close late. Against Penn State, they pulled away. I mean, I guess Bama would be the only exception of a game they couldn't pull away. But Washington, like even you saw it in the Texas game, they love to let teams hang around, so they're used to having to play in these close, stressful games. That's the only other thing I will add is if this game is as close as I believe it will be, I do trust Penix more than I trust JJ McCarthy, even though he's Chicago.
0: I personally like I just, I love the matchup. I really do. I agree. This I, is I, a I fun think, game. I just it's going to be a fun game no matter what, and it's not probably not going to be a defensive game at least not. on both sides of the ball. By any means, so but we'll definitely be a fun one for sure. But guys, we got a little bit over time. I wanted to get that in there before we moved on. But
2: Sorry, it's the last college football cover of the it year. It is.
0: It is the last college football. But next week, guys, you guys will be in for a treat. I'm gonna. I'll put on some more stuff on Twitter. I won't. I won't ruin it right Don't now. Yeah. No. I will not spoil it yet. But we have a very special guest coming on next week to talk about maybe a little bit of horse racing, but definitely a lot of football as the as the NFL playoffs start next week with the wild card round so be on the lookout for that with a very special guest next wednesday um of course at normal time and everything else but for my co-host noah maher charlie freeman 30 minutes late my man is i've been your host kyle roscoe in episode number 55 of Benton and Boozen here on here the HHH racing podcast covering Gulfstream park saturday and a very a little bit of the college football playoff final and until next time cross those bets win those photos, and stay safe, everybody. Have a great night. Bear down. Bear down is 100% correct. I'm (laughs) definitely ending on that.